Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Red Army Podcast. Today we will take a look back on Munster's home slip up against Northampton from about 10 days ago and look ahead to the Clash of Champions in Porky Cueve against the Crusaders this coming Saturday. I'm back again, Caelan. Patricia is with me as well as we look back on some agony, look ahead with some excitement, which has been dampened by today's injury update. Patricia, will will we start with the negativity or will we start with the positivity? Because it feels like a, mean... a negativity sandwich. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. You said, like, we look back on some agony and we look forward. I was like, yeah, to more agony. Um, I really thought that we kind of, like, escaped the Northampton game. Like, I I cancelled on us last week because I, I myself was on the injury list. Um, As is, you know, that's kind of my birthright in a way. Um, But I see that we are going to talk about Northampton. Um, and... I don't even, I just, I don't really want to, to be honest. I don't really know, like, what purpose it serves. I mean, it was a European Cup game where we got absolutely drenched. And I can only speak from my own experience, but I've never felt more pity for the people in the North Terrace than I did on that Saturday night. Because the poor people, those poor people, if you are listening, I don't know how they weren't soaked from head to toe inside out. Oh, I'd say they're... I'd say they're still wet. Like I, we escaped, we were pretty lucky until about 60, 65 minutes. And yeah, I, and same. then like from that point on, I don't think I've actually ever, no, there was one game I watched in the North Terrace and I was wet or leaving that day. But I don't, like it's one of the apps that like I was drenched. I'd say my coat is still wet. But like in terms of the match itself, it's, it's kind of a frustrating one because in the context of the season, it's like, oh, Munster did it again. Whereas, like, if if you were able to sort of divorce this match from everything that's come before it, which I understand isn't how seasons work, you're not able to do that. This one was just, you know, terrible weather and a team who is, like, down to the bare bones, coming up against one of the best teams. I mean, the current best team in England, one of the best teams in the Heineken Cups this season. And losing a really narrow game, like, I don't think it's the same circumstance as Exeter and Bayonne and Leinster and Connacht. And, like, those games I feel like all sort of fit in together where I feel like this one doesn't. But it was obviously another L, um, a home L in the Heineken Cup. It's, yeah, things aren't great, but to look. No, it's it's not great. And it's, it's two wins the last eight now, which... I'm oh, sorry. It's, awful. it's terrible. I'm sorry I've even stumbled across that stat, but I'm doing another podcast tomorrow and I had to get some preparation done to kind of big up Monster Crusaders. And then I'm like, that one, we might just leave that one out. That's not going to entice <laughs> people to watch. You know, it's if not, you want people to watch great. something. It's not great. But then at the same time, it's like, look, they're where they need to be. They're in the knockout stages. Like, they, there's no denying that they absolutely should have. A home round of 16, like, you know, they arguably should be four from four. Um, I don't even oh, think really that's no that arguable. Yeah, like, absolutely. It's, but, it's um, a top three overall seed that's been let slip, not a top three in the pool, realistically. Yeah, it's, and it's just one of those things. Like, I think that, like I say, I think the Northampton one is different. I think that realistically what it should actually look like is, played 4-1-3, I think you can take the Northampton loss as what it was, which was just like an in-form 
excellent team who came to Thorman Park, played really well, went a man down and then the, the weather sort of leveled them out again. So it wasn't like... it. They wasn't refused the to give in. It wasn't the same as Bayonne and Exeter, in my opinion. No. Like it's a different type of loss. And yet a loss is a loss, but it's only when you have to take them all together that it becomes like, oh my God, Munster are floundering. Like they're so terrible. They lost another game. Like I think that if you were able to look at them, you know, in the context of just themselves, the Northampton one would have a different feel to it. But if you were going to get an away draw, I think that going back to the team who just, you know, stole a win from you in Thoman Park is a really, it's a good place to go. I'm not a fan of all the games being repeat games, but this one almost feels like a sort of like the old European back-to-back fixtures in a way. Like, you know, they came to Thoman Park and and sort of robbed the win and it's now Munster's opportunity to go to their stadium and do the same. So that's kind of, that is really exciting in that regard. Yeah, you could, if you wanted to really stretch out, compared to 07 when Munster lost to Leicester at home, they went to Leicester and beat them. Again, they were a top club at the time. They, I think they went mm. on to get to the final that year. Not saying Northampton will, but like you can kind of see that kind of narrative that could be brewing. And well, I'm saying getting... that Northampton won't go on to get to the final this year, obviously, because they're playing Munster in the round of 16. So why would I say something so stupid? <laughs> but um, like I'm making that trip to Northampton, and like I'm not going to watch them lose. It's not really, you know, it's not, I'm not in the business of watching Munster going on away trips to watch Munster lose. Um, it doesn't seem like an enjoyable thing to do. I don't know why I would do it. But I'm really looking forward to it as like a, you know, look, it's no to lose in terms of the trip itself. But um, and it's also on a Sunday at 12.30 p.m. But it's um, it's fixture wise, it's going to be a really good one. I think I think it's a it's an exciting matchup given, you know, the fact that we played them twice last season and then they came to Thurman Park and won. Um, you know, Finn Smith having an absolute masterclass game, like the likes of Courtney Laws, like they were really, really good in that game. It wasn't yeah. Munster sort of tripping themselves up like a slapstick comedy like they did in some of those other games. It was just, you know, it was two good teams going at each other and one of them won a really tight game. And just it just happened that Munster weren't the team that won it. Yeah, no, that's that's kind of it exactly because like, you couldn't have left the ground and said Saints didn't deserve to win. Like, haven't no. haven't been there. And even the feel when you're in there, like, it did feel like, okay, if Munster stopped them from that rolling ball with 10 minutes to go, yeah, they'll see it out. That was just the kick they needed. But they just, there was no momentum changer in that second half at all. It was all one-way traffic. I'd say the closest we came was probably Brian Gleason's carry off the back of the line. That was the closest thing they got the crowd going in was... the second half. It was one of those games where, um, like you say, you couldn't leave saying that Northampton didn't deserve it. But had Munster managed to to sort of hang on, you would have said Munster really deserved that win. Like it was, yeah. it I thought it was really, really in the balance. And like you say, it, the second half did feel like it was getting away from Munster. I think the red card sort of benefited Northampton almost more than it benefited Munster because they were just able to bring on a hooker. And you know, no, this game didn't need backs. By the by the by half time, yeah. so it was fine. It was whereas Monster, whereas Monster lost Tom Hearn, um, yeah. which was just oh, it was horrific. Like I just remember um, when we hadn't seen it, obviously the replays, because like, it was we were in the East Terrace, so it was like right over in the opposite corner, and um, yeah. we saw like 
a player down and all of us were kind of going who is it who is it and we were looking someone said oh I think it's Nank and then we looked and I saw 12 and I was like no no it's not him it's not him and then someone just went hang on all of these players are roughly the same height and we were like no (laughs) and then obviously you saw the replays and stuff and you were like oh that is kind of really fucking ugly but um it was horrendous and seeing him like you wish him all the best in his recovery and we've kind of talked about our opinions on um on Blair's safety but when you seen it coming off the pitch you knew it was it was a bad bang like yeah cameras probably didn't do it justice we were right beside the tunnel and like normally you would obviously clap a player off and um normally like they'll clap or like they'll wave or something his head was in his he was struggling going down that tunnel like he was really really in a bad way and like obviously then the news coming out afterwards that he spent the night in hospital that night is um it's it's really scary to be honest like it's not something that you know it's it feels different to like had he hurt his leg and had to spend the night in hospital like it's it's scarier in a way even though like in theory it's a shorter term injury I suppose like if you're lucky I don't know it's it's head injuries are such a sort of a scary prospect and to see a player go off like that like he was down for so long and he's normally they'll like get up and walk off or they'll you know they'll at least get up and like sit themselves down on the on the van and like you know be sort of with it going off and he really wasn't and it was it was horrific and like you know to say that it didn't deserve a red card or like subsequently a ban is just you're just lying to yourself I think like there was Northampton coaches um on the sideline who weren't happy with the decision and like bro I'm sorry if you if you don't think that like what are you doing sort of being involved in this sport in any way if you're not keeping those players safe and you know Tom O'Hearn was not kept safe in that moment and so like the least you can do after the fact is make sure that that player doesn't contribute any more to that game and the next couple of games because it was it was honestly disgusting that second knee coming in is yeah, like it's the second not, one not, it's, it's the, the first one I think you can you can like realistically make a case that that was an accident like that happens yeah. but when you've hit when you've hit, the first one has gone in you have felt that your knee has gone into a player and there was mm-hmm. no sort of natural reason for him to drive forward his second leg and I just think like it, not to sound hyperbolic but it 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 was kind of one of the ugliest things like I've seen on a rugby pitch in a long time, even though like you can argue that it looks so innocuous just because it like he drove his knee into his temple. Like it's kind of one of the worst things you can see. And like, you know, if you believe in God or if you believe in whatever you believe in, like thank God that Tom O'Hearn came out of hospital that next day and is seemingly like we'll get I know we'll get to the injury update, is seemingly like on the right track kind of thing. Because those little knocks can Sure, it could end the player's career, you know, could end yeah. the player's like life as he knows it kind of thing. And that is sort of the terms that you're dealing with when it comes to these head injuries. So like, oh, it was terrible. And obviously then after that, like Munster just didn't have Tom O'Hearns. There was no six foot nine guy to do a crossfield kick to. And it just when you can't crossfield yeah. kick to a six foot nine guy, like what do you do? It's just oh, it was awful. I nearly wanted to leave. And you're just like, I don't even want to watch the rest of this game. I just hate it here. Like, I want to go. Yeah, and just to pick up on something you said, like I made the same comment that evening. I was in, I I was in a group chat or whatever 
and I kind of just made the comment like I've been to a lot of AIL games I've been to a lot of junior games and I was like that is one of the worst things I've seen because it's one thing to throw a punch or whatever but like it's another thing to use like your knee and your momentum and all that and it is it was worthy of a ban it did get a ban I did have my skepticism to be honest I thought did find some I, way I around it. Be res- I thought it would be rescinded afterwards just because of the fact that you, like, even though it would clearly be bullshit, like, you can argue that he didn't mean to do it. And I know that yeah. intent doesn't matter so much when it comes to, like, the card, but certainly in it terms of, like, disciplinary. Yeah. yeah. So, like, but it, it did deserve a It deserved a longer ban than it got, but everything does, like, so. Yeah. Everything is about, like, I said, like, nearly every ban now at this stage is a half-price sale. It should yeah. be double of what it is. And it's. It, I know it's not a high tackle where you can kind of talk about taking them out. But like if you, if it was a high tackle and had the same impact, you'd be having the same conversation you had in 2018, which is the stupid part of rugby that we're like back in that conversation of head contact and all that. But we'll, we'll move on from that because there was other things at play. There was... Munster did play some good rugby. I think it's fair to say, especially in the first half. No, until I think it started raining. I just hated the fact. It's not that just the rain. the rain. It was know, a tornado. As soon as, <laughs> as soon as the rain got really bad, I was just like, "Oh, we're just not going to see Munster do anything now for the rest of the game." And like that's not a, like, but I guess it is a criticism a little bit. But I, I'm not having a dig at Munster. Like it genuinely, the weather was so fucking bad. Like it was just it's one like it's so frustrating to go like you don't know how bad the weather is unless you're there. Because people watching it was on TV one of are those like, games. It was people like, watching it on TV are do like, credit. why don't, why don't, why don't they just like sling it out to Nash? And I'm like, you fucking tried to sling it out to Nash in that weather. Like the rain was unbelievable. Yeah, it was horrible. It was just yeah. the game felt like it stopped sort of at halftime, um, maybe even slightly before, and then you were just kind of like, well, monster just don't have the size, and they just don't have the bodies like full stop to sort of hang on when Northampton could bring big guys off the bench and like I think it's been sort of said at length like those big guys don't have to be incredible rugby players they just have to be big and yeah. that's what especially they were. in a 10 man game which it became yeah. it became 10 man and like I did a, a podcast on this I did a really stupid thing where I was scheduled to have three different podcasts talking about Heineken Cup action after round four which was really silly because if Munster lost it was going to affect my appearances I only did two because we had to postpone so lucky me <laughs> but I welcome. did make oh thank you very much I didn't want to do it either I just didn't say it <laughs> I went out drinking and I was like here I'm too hungover to talk about Munster today like can we do it next week instead this, this would be a war fest that the independent would be proud of I think is, <laughs> is is what she said no but I I did make the comment that like when in that second half at the start of the second half, I got the sense of, okay, this is going okay. You know, it's kind of like the North, the Toulon game. The bench hasn't made an impact yet. You know, we're not at that stage of the game. But then Northampton brought on their subs. They got the momentum. Finn Smith was just marshalling the troops so, so well. Got the right side of the referee decisions with that momentum, especially at, um, at scrum time in particular. I felt like there was, it was, it was a normal 2024 scrum. Everyone is illegal. Someone gets the decision. It's the way scrummaging has gone. I absolutely hate it. But like we're, you know, we're victims <laughs> and perpetrators at the same time. But yeah, look, you hate the, it until it's your guy that gets the that gets the decision, and then you're kind of like, well, yeah. you know, like technically, Munster were doing something wrong there as well. But like we got a penalty, so yeah. no, I still admire it. Like, like it felt really similar to the Toulon game, especially in the first sort of half an hour, where it was that like. 
Munster didn't have the ball for sort of 20, 25 minutes, but Northampton didn't really look like they were going to score either. Um, And Munster looked like they were just always going to get the ball and come back. And I think had the weather even sort of gone like half as badly as it did, I think that that's what would have happened or like certainly closer to what would have happened. But like I say, like it's what, you know, Munster got what they needed. They needed one point to qualify. They got one point. They're in the knockout. Just about. Like, with you honest to God. Um, they got their one point, they qualify for the knockouts and they go from there. And that's kind of like, there's no point in really going like they should have won this. Like, yeah, they probably should. They should have won all all three of the games that they lost in this pool stages, but they didn't. So, you know, they got the draw against Bayonne and that sort of, you know, a draw and a win and two losses is obviously better than three losses. Like it's that sort of saved them in the end. And so you just take it for what it was and you look at the context of a season from a Munster point of view in terms of, you know, in April, the weather shouldn't be a tornado and a fucking flooding rainstorm like Noah's What about the injuries? What about all the injuries? You should, I was going to say, you should have a few players back. You should have hard ground, like things like that. And, and, you know, I think we saw last season and I'm, I don't want to sound like I'm just, I'm always just saying that, well, well, you know, they did it last season, so they'll just do it again this season. It's not that at all, but it's like, I think if last season taught us anything, it's that Munster season dramatically can change context when it gets to sort of the March, April, May time. And obviously that's April, May, June this year because yeah. of the World Cup. So I think that, you know, it almost feels like the season starts in Northampton to an extent. And that's, I think that's really exciting. I think it's exciting to sort of, it's been really difficult these last couple of months. It's been like shit to watch at times and it's shit to live through and you don't like frustrating and just, just bad, like just, yeah. just really bad. But it's, I think it's, it's exciting to know that sort of you go through that part and then you're like, right, this is the, like, that was the sort of, the darkness before the dawn or whatever you want to call it. But it's like, the, you know, your season can have a totally different context from this game onwards. And I think that that's really exciting to watch them sort of go towards that and like properly get stuck into that then. And like you look at that draw, it's it's tough. But like considering that Munster were what, like 11th or 12th seeds out of the 16? Or, no, 12 or 13 that have had to have been they were 14th um, seed i think oof, worse again um, <laughs> but <laughs> i'm so sorry i think it's i think it's leon who were 11th seed who like that's the best case scenario for a quarterfinal but like realistically monster can beat northampton they can beat leon and if they weren't playing the bulls in pretoria you'd be saying yeah they can beat the bulls as well like they, well, yeah, look, they have kind of looked I'm... out a tiny bit even I'm not going to come on and say that I think Munster are going to win a quarterfinal against the Bulls in Pretoria. Like, I think that going away to the Bulls is the closest thing to an automatic loss that you can have in a rugby game that you actually play. Like, there are so many unknowns sort of in a rugby game and so many things can happen. What are they but now? I do... 19, 19 from 19, I think. Um, Isn't it the, like, the Northern since they, since, yeah, since they joined the URC, there's only, only South African teams have beaten them there. Yeah, um, and that's only like twice. Yeah, and it's just, it's a hor- like it's a horrifying prospect. But I do, but then part of me remembers the the last time Munster went down there under Johan van Kron and they were winning, and like they just they faded in that that last few minutes because of the because of the fact the that altitude. you're playing the Bulls at, alt- at altitude, and they got a losing bonus point out of it. But like, 
I think it's it's a shame because yeah, look, Munster ended up 14th seed and they've ended up away to Northampton with this this draw coming afterwards. But I think that if it was any other team but the Bulls, I would say that Munster have a semi final in them this season in the Heineken Cup. It's a shame yeah. that that it's a, in that respect. It's a shame that that's the way it's gone. And like I know that Munster are the reason it's gone that way, you know, to an extent. Yeah. But it's like I do think that they could have. I think that they could. I think that they could rattle any of these teams. I really do, and I think that we've sort of seen that, even with the, like the losses that have come. Like they were, you know, they were, they should have beaten Exeter. The Exeter game was like this fucking Stop. anomaly thing, like just weird thing that happened. You know, they beat Toulon away, like they were right there against Northampton, and like the prospect of, you know beating Northampton away, beating any other team away and then going back to Dublin for a semi-final is like it yeah it, oh, it would have been there for them. That's that's what makes it even more frustrating is that any other team but the Bulls and look obviously Leon could do something amazing in Pretoria. Like they've had a great season. It's not beyond the realms at all that they could go and do a job down there. But realistically they probably won't. And that means yeah. that, you know, Munster's reward for winning away against the top team in England is a back-to-back against the Bulls in Pretoria. So it's yeah, always fun. The you know, they always find new ways to make the, the narrative even more ridiculous. So we'll see what happens. But it's, like I say, it feels like the season starts in Northampton to a to a degree, except for the fact that they're playing the Crusaders in a few days. Yeah, I mean, that's that's not really the start of the season. It's more of a um, showcasing... But it's a huge, the, it's a huge opportunity... Days. It's a huge opportunity to get a big win and to yeah. go into that sort of start, that restart of the season in Northampton. I know there are URC games in the interim as well, but like that's, it's a huge opportunity to take a big win in a massive game in front of a huge crowd and go into that Northampton game sort of going, yeah, like we we did it again. You know, like the South Africa game, we had this sort of invitational game in Parky Cueve and we went out there with a rake of injuries and no players and we won. And we did that in front of a huge crowd. So let's use that and go forward with it. And I can't wait for this Crusaders game. I'm really looking forward to it, even with the squad update. They try to ruin my vibe with the squad update, but they will not succeed. Yeah. We'll um we'll touch on the squad update now so we can get into the Crusaders game, because that's what <laughs> most of this conversation should be about, realistically. Um so uh, first of all, there is there is some good news. Imagine it's hard to believe there is good news that a certain Mike Haley is back to full training. Um, I, I, I totally... <laughs> Mike Haley! <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, if you didn't already God, you know... you love to see it. Jesus Christ, you love to see it. Yeah, no, it's it's good to see, and he could well walk straight back into the team because there is some <laughs> other injuries in the back three we'll get to in a minute. Keen Hurley is increasing his training load and he will return to play in the coming weeks. Might need him sooner rather than later. Thomas Ahern is under return to play protocols and his availability will be determined later in the week. Simon Zebo unfortunately has undergone MRI on a knee injury and will see a specialist. So he is out of the game in Parky Cueve where he shone so well against South Africa last year. Another yeah. Corkman, John Hodnett, is also underwent surgery on a finger injury and he will be unavailable for about eight to ten weeks. So hopefully on the, the lighter end of that. And Paddy Patterson will go for knee surgery next week and is expected to return at the start of next season, unfortunately, for Paddy. And in contracting news, as account of Paddy Patterson's injury, Munster can confirm that 
Neil Cronin has signed a two-month contract extension that will keep him at the province until the end of March, so to tie them over to the Six Nations period. And as well as that, 20-year-old scrum half of UCC, Andrew O'Mahony has joined on the two-month contract as well. I believe, is that an academy type of deal, did someone say? Or am I basically Yeah, I think, I think so, on account of the fact that he's a 20-year-old scrum half of plays for UCC. But... Yeah. Um, uh, you can't, you, they just can't give you a, one good day. Like, all I want is just one week where it's just like, you know, players are back. There will actually be 23 players this weekend. Um, yeah. Obviously, Mike Haley being back is like sort of the fucking rain that ends the drought in a way. Like, you just feel like it's been a thousand years since we've seen Mike Haley playing. Um, And I can't wait to see him. I do think that he'll, like, if he's fit, he'll just start, like, against the Crusaders. Um. Yeah, like Simon Zebo. Oh my God, there's just so many of them. I don't even remember all the names you said. Um, John Hodnett, hopefully, like, look, if you're going to have a key player get a sort of two month ish injury, the end of January is the definitely the time to do that. Um, yeah. he he fucked his finger against Northampton. We saw it happen because he was down for a few minutes, and we were kind of like, oh, please just get up. Like we just can't. I have do no this recollection right now. of this. All I all I can remember at this stage of that game was. A couple of moments and none of them are positive but that's not one of I remember moments. seeing I just remember seeing him go down and everyone around me being like Patricia it's fine he'll be okay and then he obviously <laughs> played the rest he obviously then played the rest of the game and then obviously that's what happened like but you know you that's sort of while the Six Nations is on it's like what eight and a half weeks until the Northampton game or whatever it is so like with with just a, just a small bit of luck is just all we want like if it could just be eight weeks instead of ten weeks like that just once, just one injury to just actually be like not as bad as we thought. Um, yeah. Tom Ahern, I'd like to see him not play in Porky Cueve. But like, no, yeah. I'd love to see Tom Ahern play, obviously. Um, Only if we know he's right. I I just think like, yes, this game is important and it's a big deal and it's very exciting. But ultimately, it's a friendly. And I don't think that given the fact that his his lights were knocked out to the point that he was hospitalized. There's any yeah. need for him to play two weeks later. Um, but look, I'm not a doctor. So like if he is named to play, you know, I'm not trying to like imply that he wouldn't be right to do so. It's just always with a head injury. I'm just always like if they can give them the extra week or so. And obviously then there'll be like a couple of weeks, like just leave him have that. But like yeah. at the same time, you know, there are no second rows. So we'll see. Um, yeah. And Paddy Patterson as well, man. Like, just oh, that, brutal that looks stuff. like it could be the same as last year. That just is kind of reniggled itself. By it the, seems by to the be wording. like he he didn't have surgery on the ACL. He 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 rehabbed it without surgery, I believe. Um, okay. so that he could have that like super quick comeback. And so, I, like I like like I said, I'm not a doctor and study physio or anything like that. So I'm just making shit up. Like, but it seems to be that like that's that's what it was. Um, but brutal for him as well. Like he came back, he played like what one or two games off the bench, and he's gone again. And yeah, I don't know anything about um about Andrew O'Mahony, but um I've heard other people say that like he's a good prospect and that they're like that's a good sort of a good guy to bring in. So I'm really looking forward to seeing him play. I mean, we won't have to wait long. He'll probably play on Saturday. And there's always um, something to be said for the lads coming through at AIL who get straight into the academy or straight into the sub academy or development deal or whatever because he's probably going to be on form and on a bit of confidence and like he's only 20 years of age he's probably going to really cherish this and 
and relish the opportunity just to get the chance to be in you know, and around might, the system. It might go some way to explaining why Patterson didn't play on against Northampton, given the fact yeah. that Murray dropped out of that game late and Casey was like fucking Frankenstein's monster going around by the end. He had about 17 different injuries on him. Like to go off. It was incredible. <laughs> and like my respect for him goes up every injuries. week. But like, like his leg was his leg was strapped, the opposite arm was strapped. Like at one point I think he like he was bleeding out of his face. He was vomiting going down the tunnel at half time, like actually like Jesus. chunks coming out of his mouth. And you're just like, my guy, like just just call it off. Like it's actually not that serious. It's literally a game. But I he came back out and played the second half. And yeah, like it's it's one of those where um I think that, that might explain that a little bit, but Oh, just another brutal injury update. <laughs> At least there's the um, you know, the watch call it the Six Nations. That's the thing I was looking for. The other tournament that's happening. Um, the the, uh, the secondary event and the other twenty Six <laughs> Nations. The main, the real main event of the weekend. You know, like so, it's it's not like this has happened at the sort of. I mean, it did happen when Munster had like a big block of games. Literally, it's happened all season, but like the sort of further injuries on top of the injuries aren't happening when there's like a huge sort of back-to-back-to-back block of games. There is sort of time for players to, like like John Hodnett, like if you're going to be out for eight weeks, the Six Nations is a pretty good time to do it. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. If you're not in there, and like people would say, oh, he could get into, he could have gotten into Ireland's squad. It's like, yeah, well, he's probably better off rehabbing and coming back fresh than to be holding tackle bags with a sore and, you know, arm. Maybe, maybe it, maybe it, goes part of the way to explaining why he wasn't named as even a training panelist which like I'm not going to get into training panelists I think it's made up but like so if you want it, to hear Patricia's opinions on training panelists oh no please don't because like, <laughs> people are being so mean to me well to be fair that was more of an overreaction on their part because you did just say well it's a child minding exercise and most people would laugh at that apart from a select few who thought this is very disrespectful that a 28-year-old seven-time um, Super Rugby champion is my is going on the same part of the squad as a 20-year-old, just turned 20-year-old. But no, you were in the wrong. Yeah. Anywho. Um, that's, I, I, I was, I appeared on the Harp and On Rugby podcast. They did a Six Nations preview and I was asked to represent Munster and that was a mistake. Um, I'll, <laughs> how I'll dare you, you represent Munster? <laughs> No, 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 I had a great time and like the podcast itself was good fun, but it was the, uh, you know, the aftermath of suggesting that maybe Tom O'Hearn was good enough to be in the actual squad. But And the, the funniest part is you were seconded by Porrick of the second row right after you said all that. But people seem to overlook that because it was a I was also so, so diplomatic. Like I was really on my best behavior. Like I actually feel much more strongly about how bullshit I think that Ireland squad is than what I said on that podcast. I really reined it in. And then, and they still didn't like me. I can't believe that the Leinster supporters didn't like me. I know. It's almost like as if we've had like podcasts entitled, we lost, but we won. And I'm absolutely going to call this one the Clash of Champions preview. So. I mean, look, just because Leinster aren't playing in the Clash of Champions, like maybe you should try being champions and then you would play in the Clash of Champions. And that's not my fucking fault that they didn't They've win. got the Castor like, Cup coming up against Saracens. Like, when it comes to when it comes to the URC, they lost, but they lost. And that's just the long and short of it. Anyway, the, the Clash of Champions. When we get into the Clash of Champions, yes. Munster is, have abandoned that from their tweets recently. And I hate it because I wanted it to be like front and centre, full shithouse, full like South African shithousing. But... Anyways, I will double down it. The Clash of Champions 
is in Parky Creeve this Saturday. Munster back in action against the reigning, I don't know how many back-to-back, it's seven in a row, Super Rugby Champion Crusaders of Canterbury in New Zealand. The game will be broadcast live on TG Carr worldwide across, and on TG Carr player. But if you are listening to us from New Zealand, it'll be live on Sky Sport. Um, that's at 5pm Irish time. Not sure about the times across the world. Apologies. Um, five at, five? It's five. It's 15 minutes after the start of the game at Cardiff. So we can get two good anthems and then flick over to Munster. I feel I'll like that's leave, really I'll good. Have to leave, I'll have to leave home half an hour earlier than I thought so. I thought it was a half five. But anyway, that's I'll just leave an hour earlier. That's a me <laughs> problem. Don't even worry about it. It is worth noting that for four euro a month, you can get access Munster. But access Munster are offering a video watch along at the game with commentator Dan Mooney and co-commentator of former Munster in Ireland centre Barry Murphy so if you're not a fan of the Coupe Focal on TG Carr and you want something that'll be a bit fast and loose I think we know where to look I think I might check that out myself because that could I'm be honestly like loose. almost annoyed that I'm going to be at this game because I would love to watch a watch along on Access Munster with Barry Murphy and Dan Mooney I think that's going to be unreal I think that's going to be like genuinely brilliant um but I will be in the terrace in Parky Cueve instead. So I might like put like an old earphone in and just, you know, see what they're saying. You can always watch games back. I hear this is a new fad that only happens in like the south of Ireland where you watch games back. You could try that like on Sunday. Or it's a bank really holiday understand. Monday. Is it a bank holiday? Oh my God, it, it is. is. That's so exciting. But um, <laughs> I, oh, I sorry, I got distracted because I was just thinking about the one Northampton supporter who was in front of us in the East Terrace who was watching the, was listening to the match on her phone on like Northampton radio, but it was like fucking five minutes behind. So oh, like Jesus. Jack Hurley, Jack Hurley got a penalty at one point and then like full on like 18 phases later, her phone on really loud volume was like, and Jack Hurley for Munster lines up a penalty. And we were all taking the piss. Like we weren't talking to her, but we were talking to each other. We were like, has Jack Hurley just lined up a penalty? I wonder, will he get it? The penalty was like 18 minutes. <laughs> oh, it was brutal. But anyway. We're so done with Northampton. We are so back. We're we're focusing on the champions, Crusaders, not not top of the table in the middle of the year in Northampton. Like that doesn't matter. That really matters for Benetton. Northampton are so English Leinster. It's not even funny. <laughs> Without you know the money and the vast amount of wealth around <laughs> their stadium and all the uh, players in the England squad. Yeah, exactly. It is worth noting that once every few players lost to the Ireland squad, um, Jeremy I don't Luckman. Tigburn, Peter Manny, Ireland captain, should get that in again. Conor Murray, Craig Casey, Jack Crowley and Calvin Nash should hopefully see most, if not all, of them feature at the weekend for Ireland. But that does deplete Munster's stocks. Would we just talk about Munster and the Crusaders in a minute or do you want to jump in on the Crusaders? Because I, I have notes on the Crusaders. I was very prepared <laughs> this week. Um, I love the Crusaders. That's one thing I'll say. Like I, I wouldn't call myself a Crusaders supporter on account of the fact that I think that a team who are like the sort of foregone conclusion to win everything are a little bit boring, especially when they actually then do win everything. Like it's funny when Leinster do it and then they just don't win. But like the Crusaders just keep winning. And obviously, you know, if anyone listening to this wasn't supporting the Chiefs in Super Rugby last year, like give your head a wobble kind of thing, especially when they got they got to that final then. But um the Crusaders are a great team and they're one of those teams where like it doesn't really matter how much Super Rugby you watch you're like the Crusaders they're an exciting team and to get to watch the Crusaders play like to get to go to a Crusaders game is really cool and it's one of the sort of benefits I think of these invitational games like this one where it's like 
you know, you can call it the Clash of Champions and all that, like that's a bit of fun. But even if this wasn't the Clash of Champions, it's still the Crusaders playing in Cork. Yeah. Like that's really cool. And I also really like that um for the like for all the fact that it's a friendly and it's an invitational and it's there are two teams who, you know, there's never been a sort of Northern Hemisphere versus Southern Hemisphere club game. Like there's never been, you know, these two teams are like as far away as you can possibly be. But there's so many Did Toulon like play one one year. Am I right in oh, saying I'm not? I'm not trying to. I have no idea. I mean, they, I feel like I Toulon no and Highlanders played or something like that one. Well, year. that wasn't the Clash of Champions, so it doesn't count. But like, <laughs> there's enough. so many little subplots running through this game. Like, obviously, you've got. I assume that they're not holding Oliver Yeager hostage in Marseille, and that he's actually allowed to play in this game. I've um, yet to see Anton to confirm whether himself or Keen Prendergast or Sam Prendergast have returned home. Because it like, is early in the can, week, so photos are a bit. The, they can keep the Prendergast. You don't. They don't play for Munster. Like it's not really. And they can bunk bed, so it's fine. Well, the air can't bunk bed with anyone. I, like not relevant to what I was about to talk about. But imagine how fucking raging you'd be if you were Team Prendergast and you've been like an actual Ireland player for like a couple of years, and then you miss out on the squad, and then you get called up to be a training panelist with your fucking child brother. Oh my! I'd actually just refuse. I'm just not doing it. But like back to the Crusaders again. Um. There's so many like little subplots running through this game for the fact that like these are two teams that really shouldn't have any any links to each other. Like you think I, th- like, I thought Rob- the Crusaders were best friends with another Irish province, but apparently so did not. I. <laughs> so did I. Relationship ended with Leinster now. Munster, my best friend. Like you have Rob Penny is the head coach of the Crusaders now, who obviously used to be Munster head coach. Um, Oliver Yeager, should he play, which he should play, is if if he's fit, he should play. Yeah, is obviously of the Crusaders. Like he is. You know, he's now a monster player, of course, but he is, he's sort of, you know, I was born in Kildare, but I was made in the Crusaders sort of thing. Um, You have Alex Nankville, who is obviously from the Chiefs, but like lost that Super Rugby final yep. um, last season and will have, will I'm sure be looking to get one back over on, on the Crusaders. Even the likes of John Ryan, the same thing. Like he played in that Super Rugby final as well. It's just, it's mad that this game has actually got so much like, it's so monster in a way to have this game have so much narrative to it, despite the fact that these two teams should have absolutely no link to each other whatsoever. So that makes it even more exciting, I feel like, in a packed out yeah. Parky Cueve on what's and bound to be a fucking brutal night in February. Yeah, I mean, always, always is. I haven't looked like, at the weather. I haven't looked at the weather forecast, but I feel like I don't need to. Glee, gleefully ignorant to the cause is, is a great way to act before you go to Parky <laughs> Cueve of all places, which is so exceptionally open and is miles away from wherever you will park your car. So but hard to I, get to. I don't <laughs> understand how to get there. I've done a little fact file on the Crusaders because I, I needed to because they've made a lot of changes. As you said, Rob Henney's new head coach. He was formerly of Munster. He's replaced Scott Ravers or Robertson who took the New Zealand job. They have two relatively known names if you follow Super Rugby in years gone by in their assistant coaching ticket in Tamati Ellison, former centre, and Matt Todd, who is the former Crusaders captain and open side flanker. And no, not the not that former Crusaders open side and and captain because, you know, they have a few think, famous ones. Do you think Rob Penny will break dance if they win? I really hope not. I hope not for many different reasons because it was bad enough when Scott Robertson did it. It was fine the first like two or three times after no, seven one, years. Actually, I would say the first two times. The first time it was funny and then the second time it was like, oh, look, it's a callback to the thing he did last year. That's yeah. super fun because they just won back-to-back super rugby's, like leave him off. And then it became like, 
dance monkey dance it was like someone <laughs> let this guy stop doing this now it's not funny anymore it was and there it, was a feel of simpsons meme above about it now that you say that it just made them even like more insufferable it was like <laughs> you keep fucking winning and this guy keeps doing this and it's just like just stop I could strike a bit of fear into everyone's hearts now because some of the players that we will know will know Owen Franks, former New Zealand tight head proper. I can't so believe I can't he's remember. not retired again. He's retired like five times. It's fine. He's going to retire after I this know. game and then play the rest of the Super Rugby season. As he should. They also have Ryan Crotty back in Ireland again after 2013 and all that. So Ryan Crotty fun. has never played a rugby game in Ireland. So I don't even really know why he said that. Yeah, I suppose. And Lee Hafley has re- also never played against Monster. It was just you know, a really so. weird. It was just a re- really weird thing to say that Ryan Crotty was coming back to Ireland, where like there's actually just no proof that he's actually ever even been here. Um, so like I just I don't really understand that. Um, Lee Halfpenny, like he's Welsh, so not really a problem there. But we um, could get Welsh fans to come over for the game. I suppose that could be a positive. You know, they don't. You know, they like, don't go to the regions. They might come to Cork. If, if Wales supporters want to see a player that they recognise in this Six Nations window, you know, they need to watch the Clash of the Champions because they're not going to see him in the Six Nations. Or the, or the NFL Combine, apparently. <laughs> that's for that's for another day's conversation. Bom, bom. The, the Crusaders do, they've got loads of talent there. People might remember um, Cullen Grace. He's been capped by New Zealand in the last couple of years. Willie Hines played in a World Cup final with England, which I still can't get my head around. Then the work on fine with England back in 2019. He's back at the so Crusaders unserious. again. Dallas McLeod sounds like a character from the American sitcom, but he's a he's a really good winger, centre option. And Masala Matele is back as well. He was formerly with the Crusaders, people might remember. Went to the Western Force last year. He's gone back to the Crusaders again this year. And he will be a handful for whichever 16-year-old we have to put on the wing, given we'll <laughs> probably have another bout of injuries before the week is out. It's the fact that like they can't even sort of rely on the young players that they've had to rely on so heavily for the season so far because they're all playing the under-26 nations. Like, it's, yeah, like, it's absolutely horrific. Ben O'Connor and Brian Gleeson have to go to Aon Provence to play the France under-20s who are the reigning World Cup champions and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, why can't they be available for us? <laughs> it really says a lot. What? What? I'm trying to think here. Sorry. If you're a monster, and obviously it's with it all costs, that it's a big game, a big exhibition, you know, to put on a show. It is main event. It's being broadcast across the world. Although Super Sports in South Africa won't show it, which is disappointing. But how important do you think this is for monster season? Given how this time last year, well, it was November that um, South Africa A game meant so much to them. It's such a weird one because really and truly it means nothing in the context of the season. Like Munster could get 100 points put on them here and it actually does not matter at all because like there's no there's no stakes on the game to friendly. But in terms of like vibes, you know, filling Parky Queeves, like you want to win that game. And I think with the South Africa game, very few people thought that they were going to watch a Munster win um, and then they did. And I feel like it's, it might be slightly similar this time, which is probably a good thing because it means that, like, you know, even though they are champions, there's no, like, real expectation on them. And I would say that the Crusaders are a much better team than the sort of the fake South Africa team that showed up last year without even a coach. Um, so it's it's... Like the context of the season is different. The context of the game is different. The context of Munster itself is different. But like, 
in terms of perception and like vibes and support things like that like Munster will want people to believe in them for the rest of the season they will want people to show up to the URC games that are happening in the rest weekend of the Six Nations against like Zebra and Welsh regions you know they will want supporters to want to go to Northampton um, and watch that away game like they will and those things will be a lot easier to achieve with a big win in this game so like it's a weird sort of catch 22 of like it means an awful lot while also not actually really meaning anything yeah it's funny isn't it because which i think me which maybe that's a good thing like maybe it makes it like no pressure i suppose like and that's what the south africa game felt like at the time because there was so much pressure on monster by then and i feel like weirdly there's i don't think maybe it's not that weird there's a lot less pressure on them now i feel like because of what they did last season um but like that South Africa game, there was so much pressure on them, and it really did feel like they were able to go out there in a game where there was a like the biggest crowd. A lot of these players, a lot of those players, wouldn't have played in front of a crowd that size before. For them to go out there and just sort of play in front of a huge crowd with no pressure, really show what they were able to do at the time, and like that meant a huge deal. And I think that this game is similar, but like everybody there will know what Munster are able to do. Like, we've all seen it now. So it's not like they don't have anything to prove this time. I think that they had a few things to prove with the South Africa game that they don't this time. So there's much less pressure on it. And yeah, it's a weird one. I can't really figure out, like, if a loss would be, like, catastrophic or it would just be like, oh, that's a shame. I don't think it would be because it's like the Crusaders are so good. Like, the Crusaders just win all the time. We've seen that happen for, like, you know, a million years now. And I think that Munster absolutely can win this game because it's like a silly game. It doesn't really matter. Like, but they can win it in front of a huge home crowd. And, you know, I think that they can take an awful lot from it if they do win it. But I think that they're in a place as a squad now where if they don't, it won't like I don't think it's gonna affect the vibe. Yeah, it won't derail them or anything like that if they don't win it. Whereas I think that losing the South Africa game like might have. Um, yeah. But like winning it would obviously mean an awful lot because of it being, you know, there's been a lot of home losses lately in a way that we're not used to with Munster. And, you know, there's been like the season has, has been a bit spotty, I suppose. So like getting that big home win would mean a lot in that regard. And like they could take an awful lot from that. But it's it's a low stakes you know, low investment, high reward, I suppose. Yeah, there is, there's definitely an element on, like just looking at the kind of monster team that played last year compared to this year, like in that Bring in that back Kieran McDonald. <laughs> Bring back here. why not? But like, you know, if say Shane McCarthy gets a run out, for example, he wouldn't have played in this game. Sean O'Brien, Joey Carberry didn't play in the fixture last year. Um, I believe Neil Cronin was on the bench last year and didn't get off the bench, if I'm right. I think Paddy Patterson played the full. Oh, yeah, Paddy Patterson played because he was player of the match, of course. Yeah. Um, um, the, f- the front row will probably be different because I know Jibber Barron started. Like, You know, um, you've got like, you know, Niles Gannon. There would be a lot of change. Yeah, yeah, like you, you, you've the likes of... Um, if John Hodgett is out, for example. Yeah, you know, like Alex... Can, that's a big opportunity for Alex Kandelan. I think that there's... I think a a win means an awful lot more than a loss would. 
Yeah. Like in terms and of it's the, about the, the enjoying, sort of... not enjoying it because that sounds like loser talk that we get here a lot in Ireland, but like it is it about is, kind though, of making a spectacle not... about it. Like when they say it about Leinster and Ireland games, they're saying it about competitive fixtures. Like ultimately this is a friendly. Like I don't like there are no friendlies in rugby, blah, blah, blah. But it is. Like it's not in a league. It doesn't, you know, they don't get like they might get a trophy. I don't know if they have a trophy, but like they might, you know, they don't get anything if they win. Like they've sold the tickets. It's not like there's nothing hinging on a win except like whatever they make of it themselves and like whatever they make of it within the squad and like the vibe among the supporters. Whereas like there's also nothing hinging on a loss. And I think that that's kind of freeing. Like there's almost a sort of, you know. It'll help as well. Like it's not like. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if they lose. So yeah. fucking go balls to the wall. Like give it, like do Just stuff. play. Like, you know, Just play yeah, ball. Exactly. Exactly. Because it doesn't actually matter if, if it doesn't come off. Yeah. You know, yeah. it'll feel shitty. I think we've seen that it'll last feel year. shitty driving home from Cork will feel like awful if they don't win and like it'll be a, it'll be a shame to have had this big crowd and to have not given them a win but then ultimately by the time they play their next game it'll just be like oh they lost to the Crusaders okay they're gonna just beat you know Sever or they're gonna play they're gonna play the Dragons or they're gonna whoever you know like what if but but if we win we are back like that's that's how it works oh but like... if Munster win they are the champions of all the champions yeah so I mean, I can't, I can't argue with that. I can't find something wrong with that logic because that's the logic I'm going to have. And the worst case win, scenario is, if like, you win the, the clash case, of the like champions, that, you are the truest champion. Like you are the yeah. ultimate champion. Like Makes they sense. have to give, they have to give Munster their Super Rugby trophy from last year. I don't want it. It's an ugly trophy. It's kind of like a <laughs> rip off of the URC trophy. But. No, like the worst case scenario that happens here is Munster lose heavily, pick up like 17 more injuries out of their match day 23 and like Wales and Scotland draw so you can't laugh at either of them. Like realistically, <laughs> none of that actually matters as long as Munster can get 19 or 20 points out of the next four league games. Like if Munster lose by 20 points on Saturday, but they go and get 20 points in their next four URC games, which is possible considering the teams they play. Yeah, 100%. Which, which one are you taking? Well, like I mean? it's it's the thing of like Ireland Ireland lost but they won like it's that weird thing of like it matters but it doesn't yeah. it's like I, it's so weird to sort of I can't like even myself like just thinking about it throughout the week like I can't I can't really pinpoint it as like it's important but it isn't like they need to win but they don't like it's it's this weird like contradictory fixture um but like obviously, obviously we all want to see them win. Like I would love to go and watch them win and play like they did in that South Africa game. In terms of like play with a bit of freedom, like someone like Joey Carberry hasn't had, you know, a run in a while. Like he has this game now where there's no pressure on him at all, like zero pressure because the game doesn't matter. It's like the perfect opportunity for him to shine. Like there are bits of it like that that feel important but then it's like but it's a friendly so it's a weird one staying with that even though it's a friendly you can still do normal predictions where do we want to lost so what are you thinking if are Munster going to win if they are how do you see it unfolding um I do think Munster are going to win obviously like what else am I going to say at this point but I think that like 
the crowd is going to be such a huge thing. Like there's such a big crowd, like such a monster crowd, you know, they're going to Parky Cueve, which is so difficult to get to in on a Six Nations day. Like they're there for Munster. I think that it will be sort of similar to that South Africa game. We really will see the shackles come off. And I think that they are lighter shackles than were on when that South Africa game was played. But, you know, I think it's an opportunity to just sort of even, even in terms of like a feeling, like sort of turn the tide, like stem the flow a little bit because it has sort of been, you know, I know they beat Toulon and they drew against Bayonne. But it has sort of felt like loss after loss, after blow, after injury, after loss, after poor performance, after this, after that. So like a big win here just sort of, you know, sends you into the games that are coming up with a feeling of like, yeah, we are actually still able to win games. Yeah, absolutely. I I think Munster will find a way to get it done. I think it's important to remember, and this is a point I had to remind myself, this is the Crusaders' first game since that Super Rugby final. Like this is... The same yeah. position we were in when we played our preseason game against Leinster on the night the World Cup started. That's how far, like that. That's the relative, you know, perspective of where both both these teams are. And I do think Munster will get the job done. I do hope for anyone who's going, yourself included. I won't. I won't make it. Um, I hope it is a really enjoyable occasion because the one thing I will say is the the atmosphere has been different around Munster games recently, and with all the injuries. And, you know, some of their best performances have been on the road and things like that. I understand that changes things, but Cork feels like a spectacle. It does feel like, a, a, you know, to, to use the term, it does feel kind of main event. It feels like a, a big day out that people will enjoy. And I hope that that is what we get from it. Because ultimately, if Munster want to make Porky Cueve a place that they go to year after year after year, it needs to kind of have that vibe that we're going to enjoy this and it's somewhere we want to go to. And games like these, just like, what? Like, there's been two rugby games at Parky Cueve. It had South Africa A and the Crusaders. Like, that's that's pretty good. Like, yeah, you know I what do I mean? think that, that's important. I do think that there's a, a bit of a feeling of maybe frustration around supporters. And I don't think that that's entirely unreasonable. Like, I'm personally not as frustrated as I, as I would be had I not sort of lived through last season, I suppose. Um, yeah, I'm sort of waiting to be frustrated until like May, you know. Um, but I think that that's sort of fair enough for people to feel a little bit like fed up at this stage. And I think it's just a big opportunity to, like, sort of dispel a bit of that to sort of get rid of a bit of that before a run of games that are meaningful in terms of the fact that there are league points like riding on them. So in that respect, like I think that they. I just can't see them going out in front of a crowd that big, like a monster crowd that big in such a sort of free, like spectacle of a game and not pulling out a win. Um, so I'm really hopeful that that's, that that's what I'll be going to see. Like it's, I think it's an opportunity to do that. Uh, yeah. And I think, I think they will get the job done. I ultimately, I think that's, it's not, how do I put it? I think it would be unfair and somewhat, misery led if we said oh the Crusaders should win this because Munster on a horrible run of form whatever the point in the season that they're in the fact that it's Crusaders side without most internationals like I know they've got half Benny Crawley and Franks but like they make up like probably 90% of all their test caps in this squad like that's kind but of Munster, what you're looking at like Munster are not suddenly a bad team just because they've went on a bit of a bad run and have some injuries like they 
they were never really a bad team and like they are reigning URC champions until the end like until the 22nd of June they're either reigning URC champions or back-to-back URC champions current URC champions like there's there's no like no run of bad games is going to change that until June so like they can go out there and play like URC champions we've seen them do it in flashes and I think that a huge part of that is sort of like the sort of context of their season in terms of the injuries and and the things like that but yeah I think that they have an opportunity to do that to go out and be champions and to go and like and win the clash of the champions I know it's a bit of a cheesy name like but it's it's called that because this is a champion side and they're not a champion side by accident and they're not all of a sudden no longer a champion side so like go out there and be a champion side in front of the biggest crowd you know maybe the biggest crowd you're going to see at the Munster game this season certainly oh, the biggest sort of, definitely. certainly the biggest home crowd you know short of a game in the Aviva Stadium or something like that you know it's going to be the biggest monster crowd that we're likely to see so you know that means something it means something to these supporters and it means something to these players so go out there and like prove that I suppose yeah that's the thing and like I'm not 100% sure about that Aviva Stadium game but I feel like that was in around 40,000 and we're expecting about 40,000 at this game as well which really I just mean like if there was if there was an Aviva Stadium game like there would likely be seven or eight Lancer supporters in there as well so like you know that brings down the number of actual Munster supporters that are there but like this one is going to be I know that there will likely be some New Zealand people there but it's going to be a huge Munster crowd in Munster and it's just a big opportunity to sort of make that count yeah, I just have it here. No apologies. Leinster Monster was just under fifty as opposed to just over forty. But like still, you're talking about a huge huge occasion, a huge attendance. And that is just the fact that people are gonna turn up is fantastic. And I hope that I hope it, I hope once you get the job done. I hope it's an enjoyable game, an enjoyable occasion for yourself and the other, you know. 40,999 <laughs> people that are going to turn up or whatever it might be. And yeah, hopefully get the job done. Whether we come back next week to discuss it, I don't know, because it's talking about Monster during the middle of Six Nations can feel like a bit of a chore. But if they win, it mightn't feel like as much of a chore. <laughs> I think There's it's no games, that's the thing. Yeah, and if they are, they're against like Zebra and Cardiff and Ospreys. Yeah. I don't mind talking about those games, like, but there's just Monster aren't playing next week. Like, so Yeah, that's true. I um we might have something very special coming up on this platform and on my own platform about the monster game. So we will get into it in the time being. But for now, thanks again, Patricia, for coming on and thanks to everyone at home for listening. Please do take care. Please do enjoy the game if you head out and I will chat to you soon.